Hello for lover, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up. We support what the ministers led on that, which is a non-violent approach to resolving the situation. West Papuan group urges international leaders to stand in solidarity with them. Also, most communities are still without power right now. Everyone's running on generator. An update on Vanuatu, almost two weeks on from double cyclones. And later on... We'd like this report uh, to be a koha to our communities to be able to make an informed decision. Child poverty dwindles in New Zealand, but people are still struggling. But first up, some quick updates from around the Pacific. We're in Vanuatu. The government is planning to bring in a measure to control price increases during the current state of emergency. The Minister of Climate Change and Natural Disasters, Ralph Reagan-Vanu, told Parliament this on Tuesday when responding to concerns about the ongoing increase in price during times of emergency. The Daily Post reports MP Johnny Kwanapo has recommended that certain goods have their value-added tax removed to address the welfare of the people. Mr. Reganwanu says he has already recommended that there should be price control and is waiting for the NBC's decision. Samoa's visitor arrivals have boosted the country's tourism sector recovery rate to 60%, but the Samoa Tourism Authority believes more time is needed for full recovery. This is according to Chief Executive Officer Bativaine Petayatevita, who spoke to the Samoa Tourism Industry Meet 2023. Craig Stephen has more. The Samoa Tourism Authority boss says one of the challenges faced by the industry is that accommodation properties are not 100% back in full operation. She says some of the operators are partially opened, while some are fully opened but have yet to come up to standard. And some operators have complained about the new licensing requirements, which is delaying the rollout of the latest stimulus package. Another issue is the across-the-board loss of employees, especially to the seasonal worker scheme. The tourism operators also express concerns at the high cost of airfares to Samoa. The Solidarity Network, Free West Papua Aotearoa, are writing a letter to Foreign Minister Nanai Mahuta, urging her to raise concerns with Jakarta over a shooting incident in Wamena last month involving Indonesian security forces. On the 24th of February, Reuters reported Indonesian security forces responded to a riot, where they opened fire on a crowd, killing 10 people and wounding 23 others. The riot had started after locals, angered by rumours of a child kidnapping, started throwing rocks at Wamena police station, where a man accused of abducting a six-year-old was detained. A national spokesperson for the network, Catherine Delahunty, says the choice to open fire is totally unacceptable. And yet another example of attacks on civilians by Indonesian security forces that she says occur with impunity in Papua. Ms Delahanti spoke with Koroi Hawkins. Well, we'll be approaching the foreign minister um, right now because what happened in Wamana last month when 10 people were shot with, by the military this is just another dreadful example of the military um, regime using impunity, um, no accountability in their approach towards uh, the citizens of West Papua. And so it, it was a dreadful day and a dreadful event. And the context may be um, debated, but the reaction by the Indonesian government, which is constantly to shoot first, 
um, and then protect their military from any consequences of their behavior is unacceptable. So we will be asking our foreign minister, Nanai Mahuta, to raise that with the Indonesian government, that this is an unacceptable continual breach of human rights, that civilians can be shot dead um, in, in a street incident, um, 10 people without warning. And there are no consequences. Um, this is the, the definition of a breach of human rights and was raised in Geneva uh, last year at the you know, Universal Periodic, Periodic Review on Indonesia by a number of countries and organisations, and yet it's still happening. People are still being killed in this manner. We know, um, Karoi, that this is a difficult time for the New Zealand government because they're focused on the safe return and the negotiation for Philip Mertens, who was the the New Zealand pilot who was kidnapped last month, and we totally understand that. We support what the ministers led on that, which is a non-violent approach to resolving the situation. And we really, really hope that Indonesia will respect New Zealand's strong call for um, non-violent negotiations on that. But we cannot ignore these ongoing situations. There are battalions of military being moved into the highlands because of situations like Wamana, and there is no accountability for the military. It's a very dangerous situation. What is your take on the um, the freedom of the press situation in West Papua as well? Well, combined with this military, the, the growing military force threatening the population, we also have a crackdown that's been going for since the 60s, but is not getting better. And one of the examples that shows that is that there was a bomb exploded outside the home of a one of the leading journalists, West Papuan journalist in Jayapura, Victor Mambo. And um, Victor is a much um, valued and respected journalist across uh, this region and had his life threatened and his family's um, life threatened in that manner. And so that is that is very, very concerning. And is actually, when you see increasing press freedom in places like Fiji, it's incredibly disappointing to see the ongoing um, violation of human rights and media rights which is of concern to all journalists in, in West Papua. How can people ever understand in this part of the world what is happening to our neighbours if journalists cannot safely report? You mentioned Fiji there. There's been an about turn um, with the change in administration. Siti um, Venirambuka taking a, a more a positive approach to the West Papua Freedom independence movement's aspirations for membership to the Melanesian Spearhead Group. Um, good good news on that front? Absolutely. And well done to the United Liberation Movement of West Papua and Benny Wender for negotiating that with Ramboka. But it's incredibly heartening. And I know our Fiji members of our Solidarity Networks are delighted to have um, a greater press freedom in their own country, but also to see um, Ramboka stand alongside the West Papua movement and and be supportive. Um, how far that goes, we do not know, but it's a very good sign. Uh, we look forward to the Melanesian spearhead actually and fully including the Melanesians who are ex- experiencing the most violations of their freedom and human rights, which of, of course is the West Papua. And so that is a very heartening signal from um, Mr. Ramboka. RNZ Pacific has requested a response to Free West Papua Aotearoa's position from the Indonesian Embassy in Wellington. Communities are still without power in Vanuatu after tropical cyclones Judy and Kevin thrashed the country about a fortnight ago. 
The cyclones are estimated to have caused around 50 million US dollars of damage. Sunil Ram with Vanuatu Red Cross says some farmers are on their last food supplies and access to clean drinking water was also an issue. He speaks with Caleb Fotheringham. Two back-to-back cyclones, both of them Category 4, it's really done quite the damage to communities. I mean, houses have been blown away, got damage to livelihoods, crops, you've got damage to infrastructure. Most communities are still without power right now. Everyone's running on generator. If they are able to get access to a generator, that's pretty much the situation right now. In the Red Cross press release, I saw that there were people in need of fresh water. Can you just tell me about that? So in most communities, the source of water is through streams, right? So with the uh, impact and the damage because of the cyclone, you, you'd expect that the debris and the pollution that would have happened would have affected that water source from the stream. So um, whenever they are, they're growing water from, from the stream, it's, it's, it's not guaranteed that it's actually clean and safe for drinking. So that's the issue right now. So what communities especially need fresh water right now? So the communities I have visited so far is um, in the north of Efate. So it's, it's, it's north of Port Villa. It's about 45 minutes away from here. Those are the communities that I've visited need of uh, actually clean drinking water supply. And what about food, especially for some of those southern islands like Tana? Are they okay? Do they have enough food to get them through until more aid comes or some aid comes? Uh, yes, we have been in touch with our branches in, in Tana and uh, they have been communicating with the relief items that they've uh, been distributing. Food is okay for the moment, but there is a risk of, of food issue. Um, I'll give an example of the community that I went to in North Efate. A family that we visited, they, they said pretty much they've got food for the next two days and after that they will need to see what they can do. And the one I'm talking about is like, food from the ones that they've harvested, right? So you're looking at root crops and stuff like that that will be there for for the next two or three days until they run out. Yeah, because a lot of the people in Vanuatu are subsistence farmers, right? Exactly. And with the two cyclones, it's really damaged the whole root crop. It's not like you plant today and you harvest tomorrow, right? It'll take about three three to four months for it to actually harvest. So that's the reality of it. So in the interim, before they get their next harvest, three to four months away... Are they going to be able to get food in time? So the uh, local authorities are working together in coordination with the uh, cluster agencies and working on getting some food rations across to these communities. Just back to fresh water, how are they going to get fresh water to these communities? So what the Vanuatu Red Cross teams are doing is uh, they, are, they are providing uh, jerry cans. It's those water storage containers to these communities where they can actually store water. And with the WASH cluster, that is made up of other agencies. They're looking at uh, purifying them with uh, water purification tablets um, and also providing some water filters so that by the time they actually store the water, it goes through that filter and it's actually safe for drinking. Great. And how's everybody feeling? The people that I've met have said this. This is something that stood out for me from, from the field visits I've done so far, is people have said this is worse than Cyclone Pam in 2015 because. Cyclone Pam came and went like within an hour or two, but these two cyclones just hung around for like four to five hours max and just like hammered them, you know, like back to back four hours. They just didn't know when it would end. So this has been something um, when when you ask them how, how the cyclone is different from the others, this is what they actually say. And that it's been worse than Pam because it just kept hammering them for hours. The Salvation Army in New Zealand has released its 16th annual State of the Nation report, revealing people are barely meeting their basic needs. 
Last year's report showed Pacifica peoples were overrepresented in crime and punishment stats and were greatly affected by housing shortages and social hazards. While there are some positive trends, such as the declining levels of unemployment and child poverty, there's still a long way to go. Joining me is Ana Ika, who is the Social Policy Analyst from the Salvation Army. Kia ora, Ana. What were the key findings in this year's report? Um, yeah, the State of the Nation report, it's always a bit of a mixed bag every year we put it out. There's always um, some good news, um, but there's also a lot of bad news as well in areas that we as a side need to work on. Some of the good news uh, that we've found in this report is um, child poverty levels uh, have declined, um, hazardous drinking levels um, hasn't um, ha- uh, like it has, hasn't in- increased. I mean, so that those are some encouraging um, findings. Housing register has gone down in the last two quarters, so these are families that are waiting for um, kind order homes, or government homes. Um, but then we've also got some uh, like some alarming um, areas that we've tracked in this year's report, um, such as uh, crime levels um, have continued to get worse. Um, we've got uh, areas of uh, concern, particularly for um, uh, hazardous drinking for. For Māori, um, and so those are some areas that uh, we need to continue to work on. Um, particularly for young people, I will just mention that um, one in uh, uh, one in five young, one in four young person um, has uh, talked about um, increasing levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And um, we've also got uh, declining levels of education attendance as well. As well, and so I think one of the biggest biggest alarms of this this year's report is uh, it's highlighted some serious concerns uh, for children and young people in New Zealand. What effect has the floods and cyclone had on families who are already struggling? Yeah, well, because the, the report is we it's based on um, in the data that we found um, that was released last year, and so we're, the report only tracks last year. Um, but what we can say is, um, you know, we've titled the report this year as "Cost of Living" because obviously there, there's uh, 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 there's inflation, um, uh, there's a housing crisis, and there's all these. Um, well, there's all these factors that impact, uh, I guess, the cost of living um, for New Zealanders. And I guess uh, from I guess from our frontline perspective, um, we're seeing that the impact on floods, particularly on the the, the areas uh, that that were impacted, um, uh, there's uh, it's created some housing stress. It's created um, um, stresses around uh, food um, and being able to access just you know those those um, daily needs that um, families need. And so um, yeah, and, and and so just trying to be able to help um, in, re- in respect to, to food and housing, and those are some of the areas that the Salvation Army works in. Where in New Zealand has there been noticeable trends of inequality or poverty? Yeah, um, so so one of the areas that we've highlighted in the report um, is around meat rates, and so that's for young people that are not engaging in education, employment or training. Um, and so when we're looking at uh, regions like Bay of Plenty, um, in Northland, uh, their meat rates are at uh, 17, 18%. Um, and so that, that highlights that um, there's little opportunity to, there in those regions for our young people. And we're in comparison to areas like Christchurch and Wellington, their meat rates are at 6 to 7%. Um, and so that highlights that there's a need uh, for, um, there's, there's a need for opportunities for young people in, in, in these smaller regions um, that need to be addressed. Um, what would you like to see? come from this report? I think given that it's an election year, we, we, we do want to highlight that there have been some positive changes that um, we need to continue to move with that momentum. But at the same time, 
um, we've highlighted that uh, yeah, there are uh, significant challenges facing um, uh, Aotearoa, particularly for our children and young people. And given that it's an election year, I mean, uh, we'd like this report um, to be a koha to our communities to be able to make an informed decision as to who they vote for, but also for our government to make um, these are bold, courageous um, policies um, that will actually make a difference on the ground uh, for the people um, that we're seeing in our communities. That's Pacific Ways for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcast. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Favitai lover, Manuele Bayaso.